So, um, in the last few weeks, I've been kind of interested in um, the the term "son of man." It's kind of an interesting term, in, in that there's um, kind of an application to two periods of time when the Lord was here on earth. He he was the Son of Man, had not where to lay his head. Um, he was the rejected one. But also it refers to the day when he's going to come again in power and and uh, be uh, the judge. And, and so um, each of the Gospels mentions the topic uh, although the first three tend to follow the same pattern, but John seems to have a um, a different set of uh, examples for the use of the of that term "son of man." And um, it, as I was looking at that, I noticed the pattern that wherever we find a reference to the Son of Man. There's generally a question somewhere in that chapter that kind of explains what what the lesson is that we should be looking for in that chapter. And it's kind of a kind of interesting. I hadn't noticed it before. I'll just share a few of them. Um, just uh, maybe start with John chapter one and. The, the questions in John chapter 1 are kind of introductory. Um, the, the Lord is, is um, being introduced to his disciples. And, uh, and so now one of the questions in John chapter 1, I'll just read it here, verse 38. Um, it says, then Jesus turned and saw them following, saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, Master, where dwellest thou? And maybe I'll just go through the questions first. We drop down to uh, verse 46. You see, Nathaniel said unto him, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. And then um, one more in uh, verse 48, Nathaniel saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when I, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. So here's, here's the questions. And it seems to me like the Lord could have written, you know, the, the word of God completely in a statement. Say, here's, here's all the, the lessons to learn. But it seems like he put the questions there just to kind of maybe pique our curiosity to find out what these answers are. Well, we know that there was a, a home in Capernaum where the Lord 
lived and that they spent time with him that day. But um, if we if we just look down to, to the verses that talk about the Son of Man at the very end of the chapter, verse let's just let's just read fifty and fifty one. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man, well, he's starting to introduce himself to us and to the disciples. Here's the first lesson about the Son of Man. Here are the angels of God ascend and descend upon the Son of Man when, when heaven is opened. Well, that's kind of an alternative answer to verse 38 where, he, where they say, where dwellest thou? Well, yeah, he did dwell in Capernaum, but here they were talking to God himself, and, and they had part of the introduction here is that he lived in heaven. This is who they're talking to. It wasn't just someone that had a house in Capernaum, as nice as it was, that that he that he could relate to them on that level, but there's a whole nother lesson that that they would come to understand when they when they knew who they were really talking to, and then the following day when Jesus went forth into Galilee, found Philip, and then said, "Follow me," and then Philip found Nathaniel. And he, he was telling Nathaniel about the Lord. And Nathaniel said, like we read um, in 46, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Well, it, it seems to me that like the disciples had to learn or that these people had to learn one step at a time. And they started first wanting to maybe judge the Lord, you know, like, um, so where do you live? And how can anything good come out of there? And so they start, and a very natural thing is that first they want to size up, who is this person? Well, the, as they find out about the Son of Man, they find out that here he's the one he, he understands th their hidden thoughts even um and it so he, he he judges them but it takes a while to to come to that point to understand this and and just a natural progression is first first to think perhaps that you know we have to size this person up but for him to be able to say, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile in, in verse 47, he'd already sized up. It, it, he, he knew Nathaniel. 
And so when Nathaniel is saying, did any good come out of, out of Nazareth? It was because he didn't know. But when the Lord said, here is a man in whom is no guile, it, it was because he knew. He, he had known Nathaniel. He knew his heart. And I think if we, if, if we kind of uh, define the word guile, I, I think he, the Lord is saying he's not hiding anything. He, he's an honest person. He, he, he wants to um, have nothing between him and God. And, and so there is someone that, that the Lord could recommend. And when, when uh, Nathaniel was surprised, asked his question, once knowest thou me, he could say, even before Philip called you, when, when you were under the fig tree, he, he says, I saw thee. Well, um, one of the commentaries that I read on this had, had a real, I thought a, a nice thought. I, I don't think that it, it, it can be really defended or whatever, but just a nice thought that uh, an Israelite with no guile um, would, would pray prayers similar to what we would find in Isaiah 64, the end of 63. I'll just turn to it real quick to, to give the, uh, the thought. But it would be prayers of, of um, understanding that there, there was no good in, in God's people to offer to God and that they were dependent on his grace. And so... Um, In uh, in chapter sixty four, says, "Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might float down at thy presence, as when the melting fire burneth. The fire causeth the waters to boil, to make thy name known unto thy adversaries, that the nations may tremble at thy presence." He he looked for the king the the messiah he he wanted them to he wanted israel to to have their king and he he wanted this reproach that was um being borne by israel the, the uh, gentiles ruling over the land and and uh, not being able to have um the the liberty to serve the lord as they would like to, he wanted that to be removed and have, have the uh, Messiah come. And so that was what caused him when Philip said to come and see that, that was why he wanted to, to come and to see. And so the Lord would say, um, hereafter ye shall see heaven open. It would, it would be the answer to that prayer in Isaiah 64, yeah, it, heaven would be open, but the Son of Man there would be the central theme. Angels would be coming and going, 
but it would be coming to the Lord and, and going away in his uh, service, and, and the Lord would be that central, central theme that um, it, it w- would then be no surprise that he knew all about Philip because he knew all about everybody. If, if we just um, go on to the next um, instance of the uh, Son of Man here in, in John, we find it in John chapter 3. And again, it seems like the questions are, are enlightening, but we can just kind of, um, for sake of time, let's just look at, at verse 9. It says, uh, Nicodemus answered and said unto him, how can these things be? Well, the Lord was talking to Nicodemus about his uh, um, plan for salvation, about needing to be born again, about um, not even seeing the kingdom of God unless he had that new life. And it, 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 it's a question that we would ask ourselves, how can these things be? And the answer then comes in two Two sections here. He mentions the Son of Man twice. And we look in verse 13. No man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. Well, here he is talking to Nicodemus. And he's standing right there in Israel. But he's saying, Son of Man is in heaven. It's it's, a... a way of asserting his omnipresence. It's an, a, one of the features of God. He, he's saying, do you know who I am? It, 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 he's God. And then the second part, if we read um, the very next verse mentions the Son of Man again, says, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Well, here we just found out who the Son of Man is. He's God himself. He's in heaven. He's the Messiah. And that's the one who's going to be the sacrifice. Well, that would be the answer to Nicodemus' question, uh, how can these things be? Well, I won't go through all of the the instances. It's it's a nice little meditation to be able to go through all, all of them, but we find similar pattern in, in chapter five, chapter six, chapter eight, chapter nine, chapter 12, that all of them mention the son of man with questions that kind of set the topic and uh, kind of explain some of the lessons that we can learn from the son of man. And I just think maybe if we can just, um, turn to the last one in chapter 13, skipping all the ones I just mentioned. Just look at the last instance of the Son of Man. Um, we got a question in verse 6. It says, Then cometh he, well, the Lord Jesus, he, he's in the upper room, and he's, he's um, you know, I'll just read first, verse 4. He says, He, he rises from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poured forth water into a basin 
began to wash his disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Well, there's Peter's question. But then the Lord asks another question of his own. We go down to verse 12. And after he had washed their feet, he laid his, he had taken his garments and was set down again. He said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Well, this, you know, I've seen in the airports or whatever where you see someone sitting way up high on a chair and then somebody um, shining his shoes or whatever. But this isn't the setting here. They were laying at the table. They were down on the floor and for the Lord to wash their feet, he had to be down as as low as you can get. And for him to say, then know ye what I have done to, uh, to you. And then let's just look to the verse that references the Son of Man down in verse 31. He says, now is the Son of Man glorified and God is glorified in him. In in our um, encouragement and help for one another, it, maybe just take the lowest place possible. It, it's the example that our our Savior set while He was here, and it, it's it, the uh, things of, of this life are not what's most important. There's something coming that's going to put everything in the shade. It's just going to be so wonderful. But while we're here, can we just emulate his example in, in care for one another? It's uh, just a, a way to preserve unity and, and to preserve that servant spirit that he showed um, towards us. So that was all that I had. Um, should I uh, close in prayer? Lord Jesus, we thank Thee for these examples that were uh, written so long ago and um, Thy words that are still powerful today when we apply them to ourselves. And we thank Thee that Thou didst come from heaven, Thou didst become that perfect sacrifice. We thank Thee for the love that motivated Thee to do this for us. And we Just pray that we could reflect some of that in our own lives. And so we commit all these things into thy care, Lord Jesus, in thy precious name. Amen.